Welcome back to His Holy Mess, no, A Holy Mess podcast with His Holy Mess, Father Paul. Holy mess. I know it's corny, but I had to do it, everybody. I mean, it's the last episode before Christmas, although I am thinking about doing a special podcast episode just for Christmas. What do you think? Uh, what, 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 what do you think? It'll be number 12, you know, the 12 days of Christmas, the, the 12 episodes of a, a holy mess podcast here. Okay, this is uh, ridiculous. So I don't know, man, but listen, I'm excited about this episode. We're going to be focusing on St. Joseph, and I'm not going to lie to you. If you would have told me like a couple years ago and you want to listen to a podcast about St. Joseph, I would have been like snoozer uh, because I had no idea of the amazing, I mean, I always honored him and I knew that he was like, you know, the foster father of Jesus and that God picked him to be married. But I didn't know like the utter amazing, glorious, beautiful, like, whoa, whoa. Whoa. And Father Donald Calway, who is on this episode, we're going to focus on his book, Consecration of St. Joseph, The Wonders of Our Spiritual Father. Father Calway literally wrote the book on St. Joseph, opened up not just my mind and my heart to St. Joseph, but literally the entire church in the world. He is single-handedly responsible for Pope Francis declaring the year of St. Joseph two years ago. I'm not kidding. That is a true story. Father Donald Calway confirmed it himself, and the story about it is in the special uh, hardcover edition of his book, Consecration to St. Joseph. The fact that I have Father Donald Calway on my podcast is absolutely amazing. This guy has the greatest conversion story that I have ever heard. We don't talk about it on this podcast because we focus on St. Joseph because it's close to Christmas, but I'm telling you right now, you have to listen to his conversion story. Like, God is unbelievable unbelievable. So you'll hear about in the episode where to find that, where to get that. Uh, we're getting close to Christmas. You're going to have, you're going to enjoy this episode. I want to give a special shout out to my father who is going to be turning 68 on Christmas Eve. That's right, everybody. My father is going to be turning 68 on Christmas Eve. So wish him a happy birthday. Pray for him. I love my dad. I'm so grateful to have him. He's a great man. He's a hard worker, just like St. Joseph. And I'll tell you what, he puts up with a lot of crapola from me like for real for real i know that jesus was like a perfect son yeah that's not me uh what else here shout out to my quest people to my portuguese friends uh who were like totally encouraging me about this podcast it was an amazing time and thank you for the donations now not not to the Quest people, but there's been some donations coming in. We've been getting some new equipment. I'm building up my studio uh, in my office, and I also got some travel podcast equipment. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. All right. Uh, a Merry Christmas to all my Catholic cemeteries people. I work for the Office of Catholic Cemeteries for the Archdiocese of Newark. Um, you know what? I got to be honest with you. When I got the phone call earlier in the year, when I got the phone call on February 1st that I was being assigned to the Office of Catholic Cemeteries for the Archdiocese of Newark, like, I, I, this is already public knowledge. Like, I was depressed I was like, I, 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 I did not want it in any which way, shape, or form. I don't know how to say it. I thought it would have been, been one of the worst things for me. 
And, and you know how God works it is one of the, the best things that have ever happened to me. Like the best, like my ways are not God's ways. Do you understand? God's ways are not my ways. God's thoughts are not my thoughts. And that's how it is. You know, there's a lot of uh, controversy going on about uh, Father Frank Pavone, you know, uh, with Priest for Life. And look, I, I, I don't want to weigh in too much because I, I don't know the full context, okay? But it, it's, it's public knowledge that supposedly right now um, that he has been laicized, that his priesthood, I mean, he's a priest for, forever in the order of Melchizedek, but that he cannot, he, he cannot act as a priest. And there's a lot of controversy about it. And he's, you know, not stepping down. But the thing is, is that like, we, we have to be obedient. We make a promise of respect and obedience, okay? Like Padre Pio, he was a saintly, saintly, saintly man. And the church was not fair to him at all. But he was obedient, you know what I'm saying? Like, like disobedience is from the devil. And this is not to say in any way, shape, or form that Father Prank Vavone is an evil. The guy has done amazing things about the whole abortion thing. I mean, we owe him like a lot, okay? I mean, you, you all know where I stand on abortion and I'm with, you know, where the Catholic Church stands on abortion. Father Frank Pavone has done unbelievable, amazing work and we need to pray for him. We need to pray for him. We need to pray for him. But why am I bringing this up, right? Why am I bringing this up? Because when I was reading an article about, you know, this whole situation and how uh, there were a couple of times that like his bishops uh, wanted him to take on a different assignment that he did not want to do because he felt called to this specific mission uh, and vocation of working with Priests for Life. And you know what? Like tough it doesn't matter really like what you want to do. You know what I'm saying? Like we make a promise of respect and obedience. And I didn't want to take on the cemetery assignment. I, I did. Everybody and their grandmother knows that. And now I'm so grateful that I that it happened. It's one of the best things ever. I, I have one of the best bosses I've, I've ever had in my life. I work with a great people. It's like a team. And it gives me also freedom to help out in this parish and to give a talk here, uh, to do a podcast here, uh, to do stand-up comedy here. Like I'm being able to uh, minister within the archdiocese and beyond in ways that I wouldn't be able to do if I was, you know, in one particular parish. And so that's what I'm saying. Like being obedient, God, God can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like God sees the bigger picture and we may not like, you know, what we're told by the, to do by the church, but it's, it's not about what we want to do. It's about aligning our wills with the, with the will of God and with the will of our superiors. So I, that's my two cents on, on the issue. And I, I, yeah, I mean, holy, I mean, look at the humility of God. I mean, we got Christmas coming up, people. Are you kidding me? God Almighty, transcendent, imminent, all-powerful, ever-living God descended into a sinful world to become one of us? To become a, a baby, a zygote, an embryo, a fetus, and then a, a baby? And to live among sinners? God who is almighty and pure? Oh, but that's how much he loves us. And guess what? He was obedient, obedient unto death, death on a cross. Obedience is a big deal. It really is. And so look, hey, let's just pray. Let's pray. Hey, Christmas is messy, peeps. Christmas isn't just like, hey, oh, jolly, jolly, jolly. No, like, you know, are you kidding me? They didn't have room in the inn. 
They, they, they were, uh, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were in a cave, given birth. Mary was given birth, not Joseph, uh, even though 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years now, they'll probably say, well, you know, Joseph could have gave birth because, you know, we're all woke now and stuff. So anyway, um, I hope they had a good laugh there. Father Donald Calloway, one of my priest heroes, um, I, I'm, I'm very excited for you to, to listen to this episode. And I'm going to give one last shout out to my cousin, Rich Yoram, who is about to be sworn in as chief of police for Garfield, New Jersey, this Thursday, the day that this podcast is released, uh, my cousin Rich will be, okay, let's be honest. He's not like my blood cousin, but he's my cousin through marriage, okay? He's my cousin. I don't care what you say. Uh, So uh, we're very happy to celebrate that. Hey, listen up. Uh, Episode 11, thanks. Uh, Rate, review, listen. Uh, Father Donald Calloway, check it out, share it. Uh, St. Joseph, pray for us. Let's go. All right, welcome back, Holy Messes. As promised, Father Donald Calloway is with us. Father Donald Calloway, uh, welcome to a Holy Mess with his Holy Mess, Father Paul. It is truly an absolute honor for you to be with here, uh, be with us today. Thank you. Thanks, brother. Yeah, good to be with you, man. We we set this up a while ago, so it's it's good to finally make it happen. Yeah, definitely. And as I told you before I hit record, like I'm a little nervous here because like, you know, some of the other guests that I've, uh, you know, interviewed so far, I know, you know, they know me a little bit. I know them and I know of you for sure. And other than social media, I don't think you know me, but I don't think I could really, and I did not say this to you yet. I don't think I could tell you how much of a big deal this is for me. Uh, I heard your story back when CDs were still a thing. Okay. And I was in the seminary. I don't know how I got your story. It was like Lighthouse Media. I popped it in my CD player. And this is a true story, Father. I was already at my destination. And I'm like, I'm not, I kept driving around and around and around. I was on my way back to the seminary. I was literally, I'm not saying this is just like, you know, kiss anything. Like (laughs) my jaw was on the ground. I was in utter, complete, absolute awe the story ended, your story ended, your life story, your conversion story. Yeah. I went in the seminary. I just got on my knees in the chapel and just stood still for like 10 to 20 minutes, absolutely in awe of what God did in your life. I have never heard a conversion story like yours in my life. It blew me away. Wow. I just had to say that. Wow. Praise God, brother. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm humbled by that for sure. Cause I'm, I mean, I'm just like everybody else. I put my pants on like everybody else does, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, the Lord has shown me a lot of mercy for sure. And I'm I'm just moved that God has done what he's done for me and 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 it's given people hope and and helped people along their path to want to love Jesus Christ more through our lady. So awesome, man. Thanks, brother. Yeah, hey, praise God and praise God. Not that we're going to focus so much on that story uh, here because uh, Christmas is uh, right around the corner today. Um, uh, the gospel main character was uh, St. Joseph. Uh, you literally, uh, these are my words, not yours, but wrote the book on St. Joseph. So that's what I, I pitched this episode to be about St. Joseph. But where could we tell people to go uh, if they do want to hear your conver- conversion story? Where could we ask uh, what resources? Yeah. So, um, I mean, one of them is just to support my religious community. You can go to fathercalloway.com. You got to spell out the father part. 
Um, we have it there in books and video. So that supports my religious community. But I mean, I know not everybody has the means to to do that. And, and maybe you want to use it for something else, like a, at a school or something. You can just go on YouTube. I mean, there's tons of videos on YouTube of me telling the story um, over the last 20 years. I've been a priest almost 20 years now. And, and man, there's so many different places I've spoken. And some are half an hour long, some are an hour and a half long. So you can you can find whatever you're looking for there. <laughs> Awesome. And I also have a copy of your book here, uh, No Turning Back, uh, A Witness to Mercy. And you know what? Uh, you actually signed this. <laughs> you, uh, but you, it was funny because I, when I was on a medical leave of absence many years ago, you came to my parish, but I wasn't there. And a parishioner of mine went up to you and said, um, can you please sign this for our priest? I want to send it to him. And, and that's how that, that happened. So ladies and gentlemen, you could also get his book, No Turning Back, A Witness to Bursty by Donald H. Calloway, M-I-C. You done with M-I-C? Yeah, you know me. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> Bam. So, you know, I got to be honest with you. I was talking to you a little bit uh, on uh, Facebook yesterday, Messenger, mm. and I didn't say it in these words, but I was kind of convicted this morning when I was uh, praying that I kind of, I didn't say exactly these words, but like, I guess in my mind, you know, I'm like, all right, there's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot going on in our church. Let's focus on St. Joseph, right? But what I didn't say, but which is what I felt like I was doing is like, you know what? Christmas is coming up. Let's keep it nice and nice and peasy, you know, nice and little innocent. And then I'm, I'm praying this morning and I'm like, what am I talking about? Christmas is, Christmas is very messy. Like the Christmas story is, is not this like really just totally peaceful, beautiful, you know, it had so much trauma and tragedy and, you know, and, and I preach about that every year, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think the, reality, the the story of St. Joseph, the story of the Holy Family, mm. it, you know, it's, uh, it is it is messy. It is so, so I'm open to go anywhere with that. But <laughs> uh, two years ago, you uh, published a book called Consecration of St. Joseph, The Wonders of Our Spiritual Father. And again, not to just, you know, pat you on the back or whatever, but this... I, I'm not a huge reader, all right? I, I'm just not. I, yeah. I couldn't put it down. I could wow. not put this down. I had never. I mean, I did it. I didn't just, you know, go from. I did the consecration. Yeah. It was one of the most moving and powerful things I've ever done. And I learned things about St. Joseph that I had absolutely no idea. And I want everyone to know mm-hmm. just how important he is in our time. So I guess my first question to you in terms of an interview is, why did you do this? And why is this important? Yeah, well, I mean, now, because that came out two years ago, it'll almost be three years ago now. Um, so probably about six years ago, I um, just had, I mean, in my priesthood, so many people coming up to me, still do, that were just saying, Father, my my marriage is a wreck, my family's a wreck, my children are confused about their gender, or just all these things that, you know, are happening today. and I just thought to myself, man, what can I do? Like the greatest thing I can do, you know, we as priests is say mass, right? Of course I can hear confessions. Awesome. That's great. I mean, that's the best. Um, But I felt like, you know, they come to church to see me. It would be good if I could give them some homework to do, like something in their house as a family unit or as a couple or the children, whatever. 
And I was like, Lord, what is that? What could it be? And I thought so much of this is dealing with like the absence of a father or a father wound or something with the father. And so I thought, hmm, we have Mary in consecration, which is epic, right? I mean, how many saints have done that, talked about it, popes have promoted it, said it's one of the best things you can do. But I thought, boy, it'd be great if we had something like that for St. Joseph, because we could really use a good father right now to really teach us what a true man is, a sacrificial man, and all those things. And so that's when the prayer came to um, do something like a true devotion to Mary consecration program, but to St. Joseph, not as a competition or anything. No, no, it's not meant like that. But to bring him into all this, to all the confusion of our times and I have to say, I mean, that was really of the Holy Spirit because I didn't even know how to start that. I'm like, how do I, would I even do this? I, who is St. Joseph? I mean, I, I don't even know him that well. I, I talk to him, I pray to him, but my image of him is not the greatest image. I, I think he was like 105. That's what the people say. And, you know, I, I didn't know. So um, the Holy Spirit convicted me. And then I had to go on a quest that took three years to to find the real Joseph and to put that into a book in a format. and that. The fruit of that, and a ton of prayer. Oh my! Most of it was written before the Blessed Sacrament. Um, is consecration to Saint Joseph. So praise God. Yeah, that's it's in twenty languages now. It's sold over like I think I think the latest is like nearly two million copies. Um, and I'm not rich, by the way. I, I'm in a religious community. I have a vow of poverty. All that money goes to my religious community. So my superiors are super happy at the moment. Because <laughs> <laughs> so <that> pretty well. <laughs> we like to laugh here. This is a, it's important. This is also supposed to be sort of like a, a comedy, uh, a podcast. Um, but you know, I got it. Yeah. When I first read this about um, uh, two years ago or so, when I went through the actual consecration, um, that was my Christmas present for the majority of the people that I was given Christmas presents to because I wanted as many people because to be, if I'm being really like real honest and I preach about this today, like, yeah, I always honored St. Joseph and, you know, we'd pray to him from time to time. But if I'm being like really honest, I guess I would have always thought like, well, you know, like Jesus and Mary, they're like the most significant. They're like the most important in the Holy family. And I mean, I guess there's something to be said about that in terms of they were right. the two that were, they were the two that were sinless, you know, he's God and she's the Immaculata, you know what I mean? Right, right. Right. But yeah, I guess I, I also was kind of betrayed or believed the lie that like, you know, Joseph was, was there, but you know, just kind of, you know, maybe he was really old, but, but, but like the teachings of the church and the saints uh, that you wrote about and the insights that you have given in this book made went for me to thinking that he was kind of like a sideline. I mean, an important, but like a sideline player to like yeah. thinking, uh, other than Jesus and Mary, well, Jesus isn't a saint, but like, he's, he's like the, the best saint ever. He's like the, right. almost the most, almost or whatever, like the most important. Yeah. And it really hit me that like, wait, he's the patron of the church, like the, no other saint has the title. He's the patron saint of the entire church. Right. So, I, I mean, it, it, and it's so important. Um, and I, I don't want to speak. I could keep going on. And I listened to the uh, podcast of you and Dr. Scott Hahn talking about this this morning. Mm. And I'm like, 
Yeah, I'm not going to be able to have those insights that Dr. Han had, so I'm going to let Father Poway do most of the talking. <laughs> but, you know... Um, but it is like a light bulb goes off, though, right? Like, yeah. Because that's what so many people have told me. Like, what you're sharing with me right now, so many people around the world have said the same thing. They're like, Father, I've always prayed to him. I've done novenas. and But he was always kind of like a shadow in the background of my prayer life. He was always there, but I don't know. I just, I focused more on St. Francis or St. Therese of Lisieux. And I really never put St. Joseph in the forefront. Like, and they said with the book and not because I wrote it, that's got nothing to do with it. It's because I basically retrieved what the saints have said, what popes have said, what mystics have said, what apparitions he's been in, what shrines are dedicated to him, what miracles are associated with him, all those things from around the world. And when you get that in one place, all of a sudden, like, scales fall from your eyes and you're like, wow, St. Joseph, you're like a big deal. I mean, you're like the man. You're like God depended upon you. God obeyed you. Mary loved you. I mean, this is like unprecedented stuff here. And somehow we haven't really emphasized it enough. And I almost felt like apologizing to St. Joseph and like, yeah. Sorry, dude. Like, and not just dude, but dad. I mean, you're my spiritual father, and I haven't been paying attention to you. You know, it's like my bad. You know, for and 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 not just my bad. I think for the church for two thousand years, we've honored him and all of that. But you know, we've put him just in the on the back burner. Like, yeah, he was there, but um, you know, <laughs> I think that's 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 we've turned a page. I think with that, and I, I praise God for that. Yeah, I well, I've turned several pages in this book. Uh, sorry for the pu- terrible pun, uh, but yeah, and it's so refreshing to hear you know somebody like you that you know I I you you're like oh, I'm a regular guy, and I'm thinking like well he's like like, like a scholar the amount of research this guy does, and and that you're like even saying like yeah you know I kind of prayed them here and there, and, and like you're having some of the thoughts that that if I'm having them, then I, a lot of people must be having them, yeah. and um, you know you you said something which I think maybe the Holy Spirit gave this as a kind of a cool transition. Cause you said some people, you just said something about him being like a, like a shadow, like in a, in an inimportant way that isn't like what I literally have in my notes here. Don't you write in this book, how he's a shadow of the heavenly father. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Can yeah, you speak totally. to that for a second, please? Yeah. So, you know, and I just got that phrase from saints. I mean, they've said it way before I ever did. So I'm just retrieving that again. But what that basically is saying is like, you know, God, the father, he didn't become incarnate, right? Like Jesus did. So he didn't take on human nature. God, the father is divine, but we depict him as like an old man. Like if you ever see artwork, you know, sometimes you'll see him like above the cross and he's an old guy with a beard. And that's how we depict him because he's God, the father. Okay, that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. Um. So if, because he didn't become incarnate like Jesus did, yet um, he's going to, he, in his divine mind, he selected one man to represent him, to have, to bear his authority of fatherhood over Jesus. I mean, I can't do that. You can't do that. Even though we're called father, we don't have that role. We can't command Jesus, right? Even though we're priests, but Joseph can and did in such a humble, loving way, that God the Father entrusted his own paternal authority 
to St. Joseph um, so that when Joseph asks Jesus something, Jesus hears it as a son and takes it like as a paternal command and consider it done, dad. That's how Jesus would look at St. Joseph. So he's the shadow or the echo, you could even say, of the heavenly father. No other saint has that. I mean, that's extraordinary stuff, man. Like, and and Our Lady is greater than St. Joseph. We know that, right? She's the Immaculate sure. One. Yes. But there are certain things that not even Our Lady has that St. Joseph has. Um, so, for example, that's one of them, right? So that paternal aspect, she's mother, Joseph is father. Um, but also just the whole aspect of Jesus and his manhood wanted to imitate St. Joseph, just like all boys imitate their dad. Um, a mom teaches things to a kid, both kids, whether it's a boy or a girl, but a boy mimics um, what he sees his dad doing. Even Jesus says that at several points of the gospel. He says, I can only do and say what I see my heavenly father doing and saying. Why? Yeah. Because he's the son. It's how it works, you know? So when when we say that about Jesus and Joseph, we're saying that Jesus, and this is mind-blowing what I'm about to say, Jesus, who is God, wanted to be like Joseph. That is so, <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. Jesus doesn't want to be like me, thank the Lord, or like you, brother, right? Or like anybody out there, but he wanted to be like Joseph. That's next level holiness, man. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and God single-handedly, like the God of of the, not the God of the universe, the just God who is all life, all being, right? So there's no limit to God. There's no limit to his power. He doesn't need anyone's help. He, you know, he, he created the big bang. He created the dinosaurs. He, he was able to make a virgin become pregnant. God doesn't need the help. And yet that same God chose St. Joseph to raise him. Yes. To guard him. Yes. To protect him. That, that's to me, is like, what? Right. Like, just because of that point, he's extremely important. Right. And that's why, like, and this is why St. Joseph is so extraordinary, though, as you alluded to in the beginning, like, in this earthly trinity, the saints call it, of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, Joseph even has, he has both God Jesus and his wife, the Virgin Mary, Joseph's wife, they both respect his authority and submit to him. So when God says to Joseph, go to Egypt, Mary and Jesus go to Egypt. So where Joseph goes, God and Mary go. That's extraordinary, right? Yeah. So both Jesus and Mary submit to the authority that has been entrusted to Joseph because he's the shadow of the Heavenly Father. So Joseph, that's why he's patron of the church. That's why he's the greatest of all saints after Our Lady, because he is that important. He is that big in this whole thing. And now we're unpacking that and going deeper in that. And saints have alluded to it in mystical ways in the past, but in more devotional ways. Now it's we're even unpacking it theologically and stuff like that. But it's just mind blowing, brother. It's just incredible. Yeah, you know, and I, you, you make a great case for in the book, uh, in the very beginning of why he's needed now more than ever in these insane times, not just in our world and and in our church. So, you know, right now we're talking about, you know, why was he important? 
to the Holy Family and he's the, but it, like some people that listen to this, but okay, but what does he mean to me practically? How could, how could he help me or my family? Um, or, you know, obviously a practical way is to consecrate yourself, but how is he important to the everyday? Why is he important right now? Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think well, there's many reasons, but I think a real big one is that the crises of our times right now is what I would call, and many are calling, an anthropological crisis. So what that means is people are confused about their sexuality, about their gender, about who they are and how that's acted out. And what is marriage? And, you know, the slogan of the day, what is a woman? You know, all those kind of things. And so there's so much confusion in that, that a lot of it has to deal with, we've forgotten the basics. And so we've got to get back to that. And one of the best ways to do that is to have models um, that are not man-made. You know, we, we could set up our own models of, of these things. And often we do, whether it's a sports figure, a musician, or whatever. Um, but those are flawed models. What if we had some like perfect ones? And we do, right? And Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And so with St. Joseph in particular, what I've found is that a lot of the problems right now in the world and in the church, there's a, f- a flawed fatherhood involved. So whether mm, it's yeah. scandal happening in the church, right? Um, you, a lot of times it's because a spiritual father has made some mistakes or done something wrong. In the family life, with like divorce rates and contraception and pornography and so many things, a lot of those things are affecting men in particular, but they have ripple effects for the family unit, for the marriage, for the children, for society, for the workplace. And so with that in mind, I mean, having a father to look to, to model our lives on and imitate and become virtuous, because that's what holiness is, is acquiring virtue. We're not going to find a better one than in St. Joseph. Yeah. Um, so that for me is huge right now. And, you know, I mean, studies have actually shown like sociological studies and like if a father is involved with his children in their lives and is the one who is actually helping them to practice their religion, when they leave the home from underneath his roof, um, the percentage of those who will continue on with the practice of their faith is like 75%. Amazing. Uh, yeah, and I'm saying that because if it's only the mother who does it, which there's nothing wrong with that, of course, but if it's only the mother who does it and the father doesn't participate in leading the family in religion, it's like, I don't even think it's 30%. I think it's like 27% of the children will continue practicing the faith. So that's not to say anything negative about mothers, of course not. But what it does emphasize is that Fatherhood is really important. A man giving an example of being on his knees in prayer, taking the family to church, to confession, um, when, when the family unit sees that, it's incredible. And again, going back to the Holy Family, who was whose role was it in that family unit to pray, to lead the family in prayer, to take them to Jerusalem three times a year for the festivities? It wasn't Jesus's role, and he's God. It wasn't Mary's role. She's the mother of God, the Immaculata. It was Joseph's role, the least member. It was his role. And I say that because a lot of times when I'm saying this kind of talk to guys, I talk at a lot of men's conferences, they're like, oh, bro, Father, I I hear what you're saying. It's a good talk. Good talk, Father. But my wife, you know, she's better at it. You know, I just let her lead. And I'm like, buddy, you're, you're probably right. She probably is better at it. That's not the point, bro. 
you've got a God-given role to lead your family. And if you don't do it, there's going to be ramifications. There's going to be problems. Um, Mary and Jesus didn't usurp the role of, that was Joseph's, even though they were better at it. That's not the point. Let him do it, right? And, and, and that's what we need today is we need men to man up and to become more Joseph-like um, and sacrificially lead for the family, for your children, for society. And that's oftentimes today what we don't have happening. And so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for, you know, one of the things that I love about you, Father, is, uh, if I can say that, is that, um, and I don't want to say like, oh, you know, you're, uh, you're, you're not so politically correct because that's not, that's not even the, the, the thing. Like, right. you're just speaking gospel truths. Like, yeah. we turn it into like, well, you know, that's not very politically correct or, know. you know, it's not... It's not very woke of you, you know? I mean, you want to talk about woke, uh, you know, Jesus, I mean, St. Joseph awoke from a dream and then like went and was obedient and, you know, uh, guarded the right. family. Nice. So let me just get that out of the way. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, and you're not saying anything negative about women or motherhood. Absolutely yeah. not. Men and women are are equal. They are yeah. equal, but there is a a difference. And a difference does not mean like, I think people hear the word, well, men and women are different. And all of a sudden that means something negative. No, right? there's nothing yeah. negative about it. Yeah. Different, but equal. And the truth of the matter is, is that when God himself, right? I remember during the year of the family, one of the most powerful things that I heard Pope Francis say when he was in Philadelphia in 2015, he said, when God at a certain point in time or uh, decided to create the human race, decided to create the very first man and woman, he took all that was in himself and poured it into the human family. Mm. And that family, this is not debatable, was a man, a woman, a husband, a wife, mm. a mother, and a father. Right. Now, obviously, we are living in fallen times. We are living after the fall of original sin. And for whatever different ways, that's not the always ideal thing. And sometimes it's it's nobody's fault. I mean, like right, my right. nephew right now, my brother, his dad passed away. So, you know, the fact that he has, a, you know, just a mother, that's not negative. I mean, there's nothing he could do about that. That's, right. you know, a horrible thing. Exactly. But yes, but... Matt, I think what's happening in our culture today is that, well, I don't think it, it is happening. I didn't come up with this. Marriage, the family life uh, is being trying to be completely redefined uh, mm -hmm. and, and really like destroyed, like the meaning of what it means to be a family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Pope Francis has, and people want to say, oh yeah, he's the liberal Pope, liberal Pope. Well, you know, he's spoken very strong on the importance of a mother and a father. And mm -hmm. St. Joseph was a very important husband and a father. Mm -hmm. And we need a renewal and uh, if I could say redemption or whatever of, of manhood, of fatherhood. And right. that doesn't say anything against women. But right. in our culture today, and this is me saying this, not you, what I am seeing in movies, TV shows, it's because I understand at one time in history, that, you know, it was very machismo. The man was everything, man, man, man. And the woman, you know, I mean, she didn't have the right to vote and this and that. She wasn't working. But what we have done now in our society is 
the pendulum has swinged so far to the other side right. that now women are uh, that that it's just like women, 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 the best, the best, the best. Men are nothing, and women right. don't need men, and yada yada yada. So it's gone to the other extreme. Right. And I think what the Holy Family brings us back to is the origin. I think you even say something in your book that he's like the the father of the the Holy Trinity on Earth or something like that. That, yeah, no, right. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's what that's what the saints say is that the Jesus, Mary, and Joseph are the earthly trinity, and he Joseph is like the king of the holy family. Mary's the queen. Jesus is the prince. I mean, he's he's God, so he's king of kings, right? Um, but in that dynamic unit, there's a correct order, and there's not a. This is the key. This is huge. It's not a competition, right? It's complementarity, and yeah. so. Today Amen. in culture, this is the problem is everybody's competing against each other. So women want to be men, men want to be women, and then it leads to confusion and you end up just fighting each other and trying to, to get ahead and to do everything that the other does. And that's why it becomes so problematic that it, it, it gets to the level of, well, if a guy feels that he can't win in his category with other guys, he can just identify as a woman and then go get the gold medal in every competition. Because again, he's seeing it as a competition. It's not, yeah. there's not a complementarity. It's like, that's, that's problematic. That, that, that becomes a disaster. I mean, it, everything becomes chaos at that point. Um, but sadly today we've gotten to the level where, um, this stuff has been approved on so many different areas that people are scared to say anything because, you know, you'll get fired, you'll get canceled, you'll lose your job, you'll, you'll, you know, and so people are just like, well, something within me tells me that this isn't right. Like some dude walking into a bathroom where my daughter is that intrinsically just strikes me wrong, but I really can't say anything because, you know, then they'll call me a, a hater and a whatever, but yeah, intrinsically people know, and somehow we've got to, we got to get back. And, and that's why I think St. Joseph shows us what a good man is. Because sadly, I hate to say this, when I've talked to a lot of people, they'll say, well, Father, I never had a good father. Like, he abused me either verbally, emotionally, physically, or sexually, or something. Just horrible things. That breaks the heart of God. And in St. Joseph, what we see is a man who, he is strong. He can chop wood, right? He can carry stones. He, this is what he did for a living. Um, and yet he's gentle. He's compassionate. He's sensitive. He's kind. Um, he's patient. Um, he listens. All those kind of things. Men need to become more like that because what we don't want and a lot of people are afraid of is, oh, now you're going to like create these, these Cro-Magnon men who are women make me breakfast and, you know, these kind of this. No, 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 not at all. Yeah. That's not what we want. What we want are virtuous men like St. Joseph. Um, and I think women will rest in that. I, I, I think when women are presented with a more better, a more better man, a, a more perfect man, a more holy man, a more virtuous man, they're not going to want to be in competition to that. They're going to want to surrender to that because a feminine heart wants to rest in the protection, the strength, and the complementarity of, of a man. And vice versa, a man wants to rest in the tenderness, the the love, the affectivity, the gentleness of the feminine heart. It's not a competition. And 
In the Holy Family, we see that perfectly played out with the hearts of Mary and Joseph. I just, there's so, we could write so many books on this. (laughs) It's just amazing. Well, I hope you do. All right. I hope you do. So, uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying. (laughs) Come on. Uh, but, you know, with that controversial, um, well, it's not really controversial, but, it, you know, people make it controversial, the uh, Ephesians, where St. Paul says that the the husband or the man is the head of the household and you know, women should submit uh, themselves, I'm paraphrasing, you know, submit to right, the husbands right. or whatever. And, right. but, but, you know, the, the beautiful thing, I mean, he's making an analogy for Christ in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh and the, the beautiful thing is that right after he says those words that, you know, women kind of like, you know, can't stand when it's said at mass, mm-hmm. is that he said, husbands, love your wives as Christ love the church. Right. And let me tell you something, people. As Christ loved the church, I mean, he literally laid down his life, the right. ultimate sacrifice for her right so yeah again it's not this just machismo thing men are better like no like saint joseph gave like complete gave everything that he had to his family to his wife who he was in love with i mean sometimes we 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 think that they weren't like a real couple right i mean they were they were in what they were married he he wasn't just the foster father of jesus he was in love he was the spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And they were in, it was a pure love. Right. But they were in love. And and yeah. she, what I love that I uh, I, I heard you talk about uh, on another uh, podcast is that um, she was in love with him. She, right. was, she was the first person to be consecrated. He was the first person to be consecrated to Mary long mm-hmm. before St. Louis, Louis de Montfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Mary was the first person in some way, shape or form to be consecrated to St. Joseph. Right. So they, they really are a, a, we might be tempted to think, and you, you listeners out there, you might be tempted to think, I can't identify with the Holy Family. I mean, two of them were without sin. But I think the church wants that. We, we have the Feast of the Holy Family for a reason because they were human. Mm, very, yeah. very human. And St. Joseph in particular, especially to you guys out there, you know, he wasn't without sin, but he was a man of great virtue. Mm. And he was a, we, we tend to think of him as a, as a, as a older man that, no, he was a strong man. Mm. You know, he was a worker. We have, there's an entire feast day in the whole church of, of him being a worker. He was a worker. He was a protector. He was a guardian. He walked, father, how, how many, um, in the book when they went to, um, to Egypt from Bethlehem. Do you recall how long of a, of a journey that was? Yeah, from Bethlehem, I mean, we're not exactly sure where they went in Egypt. I mean, there's some traditions, but nonetheless, I mean, just to walk to the border of Egypt, I mean, that's a long walk. I think it would have been like a, a at least a two-day walk or possibly a three, but they wouldn't have walked just to the border. They wouldn't have crossed 10 feet over and made camp there they would have went pretty deep into Egypt. And that's where the traditions come in. Um, and they're like in Egypt today, there are churches, many of them are Coptic churches, but it's a very strong tradition um, of the path that they actually walked. So they went for some distance within Egypt um, because there was one place where there was like a Jewish colony um, there. 
because this was the Roman Empire, so that was included in it. So um, it would have been a serious journey. But then even after that, when they went back, you know, after the death of Herod, when they went back to Nazareth, they were required, the men were, you can read about it in the Old Testament, to go to Jerusalem three times a year. So walking from Nazareth to Jerusalem is a three days journey one way. And they had to do that three times a year. So, yeah, I mean, you're talking about a man who had the endurance, the ability to do that stuff. And you're talking about desert terrain, man. There was no Jersey Turnpike with nice little rest stops, you know, and places to get some munchies. You know, there were bandits and marauders, you know, and nighttime, the desert gets like super cold. They didn't have a days in, you know, um, they didn't have, you know, kind of a history of being well accepted and ends it as it was. So um, it was tough. So Joseph was a tough guy. And I think that, you know, that's why I think these things are important for our times, because getting back to something you said earlier, I mean, you know, a lot of people do freak out when they hear, oh, man is the head of the family saying that he's greater. No, it's not. It, it's just a different role, right? Because it, look at it like a body. So to have a functioning body, you have to have a head and a heart. One is not more important than the other. If you don't have either one of either, you don't, it, you don't have life. Woman is the heart. Man is the head. That doesn't mean that he's better. Um, it's a mutual submission too. So that passes from Ephesians, you know, a marriage is not just the man making all the decisions. They have to communicate. They have to talk. They have to work these things out, you know? And that's where it comes in the feminine genius, you know, yeah. the perspectives that a man wouldn't think about. Man tends to be quite functional, just get the job done, you know? But a woman brings in a different perspective that is complementary to what he's thinking and vice versa. And then when you get that, like a smooth oil machine working, it's fantastic because then you live as one heart. You can have differences of opinion and taste and such. That's normal. Um, maybe Joseph liked apples and Mary liked oranges, whatever, right? But when you get on on more important things, moral issues and, and these kind of type things, when you get the family working together in love, and that's the other thing that you said is so important and so many people don't get, I didn't get this, is that they were in love. This was not just some contract. This was not just some you know, thing where we're, yeah, we're just going to do this and kind of fake it. Um, yes, it was a chaste marriage, but the love that they had for each other was a man in love with a woman, a woman in love with a man. And Mary's heart rested in his masculinity and he found strength to do what he did because of the delicate beauty of his woman. I mean, she was his lady. Right. We, we say that so often today, we, we lose the chivalry aspect of it. You know, our lady, we just, it's so common to us, but St. Joseph is the first one to say that my lady, how may I serve you? You know, I'm here to please you. I'm, what would you like me to do for you? Um, I mean, that is awesome. That's what you do when you're in love and, and they loved each other. And the example that they gave to Jesus, um, would have been extraordinary. You know, because so many times today I hear it, I'm sure you hear it, brother, is there's just nagging and criticism and biting at each other with words that tear down and the children see that and it's so, so destructive um, in a family unit. Jesus would have never seen that between his parents. 
um, even if there was maybe a disagreement on what they should do on this day or what they're going to, you know, go or something, I don't know. Um, it would have never been that just stabbing, just cynicism and just fighting kind of thing that's just, uh, it's, it's so nasty. There would have been love overriding all things. And, and I just, I don't know. I just, man, we got to get a movie <laughs> that gets this right. And we can show, though a chaste marriage, would St. Joseph, for example, because I know women love this, would, would he have given Our Lady a chaste kiss on her forehead, right? Like, I mean, women love that kind of stuff. Would, would he have just, you know, made her feel so safe and protected by just a glance? as a woman can loves to see in a man, those kind of things are Joseph seeing his beauty, his bride, his love, his princess, his woman, manly courage, you know, inside of him. And, and as he's, as he's working on a new table for some family who commissioned him to make a table or something, what was he thinking? I mean, probably he was thinking about his wife. I can't wait to get back home to my beauty, to my love, to my lady and to her cooking and to see her holding our child. And I mean, that's, that's what, that's how men think. Yeah. I mean, but we haven't thought that way about Mary and Joseph. And it's okay to think that way. You know, you, you don't go down bad areas. You don't go where you can't go, but they were in love. It's okay. You know? I love that you're talking about this because I think this is a great <clears throat> transition to the fact that, I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, he was married. He lived with the most beautiful woman that ever existed. The yeah. most beautiful. And yet, and yet, it was a chaste marriage. Right. Now, we are the ones uh, in our culture, uh, you know, for whatever reason, puritanical, we, we pornify love that should be pure right we distort it okay him the two of them being attracted to each other has nothing to do with lust that's a that's a disorder they it was pure and i think it was uh dr han that said that that means that it was even it was even stronger it was it was even even most potent but i have to ask you this question and i i don't have the answer i don't know if you do but I know because I just could already hear my friends in my ears asking me this question. How was it possible? First of all, why did they need? So this is really two questions and this is speculative. But one, after the birth of Christ, why did they need to stay chaste? Mm. And two, which is more interesting, Mm. how was it possible for St. Joseph to do so living with the most beautiful woman ever. And the reason why I'm asking this question is because guys like chastity doesn't, isn't just a virtue outside of marriage, right? We're, we're even called to be chased within marriage because chastity doesn't just mean a not doing something like I'm a celibate chase celibate, right? I'm called to not get married to not, you know, but even within marriage as St. John Paul II talks about within the, the theology of the body, right? A chastity is a correct ordering of our sexual desire. Chastity is not, mm-hmm. I apologize for the double negatives, but chastity mm-hmm. is not not having sexual desire. No, mm-hmm. chastity is a correct 
ordering of our sexual desire. Lust is a disordering. So sexual desire is pure, beautiful, good, holy. That's what it's meant to be. That's what God, I mean, if you want to talk about like the pretty much the very first command to the human race by God Almighty was, you know, be, be fruitful and multiply, you know, come together in that, in that marital act. So uh, anyway, Father, yeah, so why, uh, why did they need to have a chaste marriage after the birth of Christ? Right. And how is it possible for him or for any man right. to be able to, to be chaste? Yeah, I mean, there's tons of reasons, I mean, why they were called to, within the context of marriage, not engage in the marital act. Because as you said, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's beautiful. It's from God. Within the context of marriage, it's, it's wonderful. It's how the human race continues, right? Um, and yet, there is a certain objectively something better about virginity than there is about um, having children. Now, what I mean by that, because people might hear that and be like, what? You know, think about it this way, for example, okay, is that now we're talking, this is theological categories that most your ordinary people in the pews aren't going to have heard this or understand, understood it this way. But think about it this way. So in heaven, which is perfect, the perfect place, are you going to marry and be conceiving children in heaven, in paradise, the place that's perfect? No, you won't. Um, and we're all, yet we're all going to be married to God in a certain sense, in, in our souls. And so there are certain people while here on earth, and Jesus himself says this, this isn't in the New Testament, this isn't Father Calloway or just the Catholic Church te- you know, saying this. Jesus and St. Paul actually say that many are called to virginity for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, yeah. which means they're making a sacrifice, right? Because it is a sacrifice, because um, we do have that natural inclination towards marriage and towards that good and beginning children, and that's wonderful. But some are willing to sacrifice that for the sake of maybe a particular mission that they've been given, a particular call that they've been entrusted with, an apostolate, a particular work, that they will bear fruit in that way, um, beginning spiritual children. And that gift of virginity is an aid to that. It helps them to do that. So, for example, though Mary only had one son, Jesus, and St. Joseph was not the biological father, yet we call Mary the new Eve, the mother of all the living, right? She's our spiritual mother. She, so, and how odd would it have been, by the way, let's say, just for the sake of argument, that Mary and Joseph did have other children through the marital act after Jesus was born. How odd is that going to be if somebody can, you know, maybe five or six kids after that could say for their life and for all eternity, well, he's actually my biological brother. So, eh, you know, to you, it it's going to be really odd. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just going to be really twisted and somebody's going to have a something greater, you know, than somebody else. So, no, what we're talking about here is um, for the sake of what mission they were entrusted with. And this is why you said it earlier, St. Joseph alone is the patron of the church. What does that mean? It comes from pater, which means father. So he too, he is the father of all the living, you could say. He's like a new Adam in that sense. Jesus is the new Adam, but Joseph is like a new Adam. Sure, yeah. And so 
Mary and Joseph, though they didn't engage in the marital act, yet they were called to fruitfulness. And that fruitfulness was in living that particular vocation that God gave to them. And again, St. Paul and our Lord himself in the New Testament talk, some are called to that. Um, It's a gift. It's a grace. It's not something imposed by the Catholic Church or some burden that they feel that they, you know, have to succumb to in order to please some hierarchy. No, it's a call from God. Why? Because they are madly in love with God. Mary and Joseph were so madly in love with God that they were willing to make that sacrifice for a greater mission, for a greater fruitfulness, not just to bear five or six children or, you know, 10 for their earthly life, but millions spiritually. The new Eve and the new Adam, so to speak. And that's why you call me father, though I'm not married, right? I don't have a wife and I'm not beginning children with a woman somewhere, but you call me father. Why? Because I'm spiritually helping people to come to rebirth in Christ. Um, So are you. And so this is really important because um, a lot of people don't, don't understand that. And that's not, again, again, that's not putting down marriage. That's not saying that, oh, well, somehow this is, you know, it's it's less if I do this. Objectively, there is, and this is what people don't like to hear today because they see it as some competition. Objectively, there is something greater to living a virginal life because it's a greater preparation for what we're all going to be living in heaven. There's no marriage or beginning. There's no sex. There's no marital intercourse in heaven. Done. In the New Testament. Read it. I didn't write it. Jesus said it. But it's even better. Right. Because it's even better. Because you are so in love that your body, your whole body is espoused to God. You're in beatific vision, baby. Yeah. I mean, you are. You know what I mean? It's It's not something to mourn, people. Like, you know, what do you mean? No sex in heaven? No, like the, the the, the glorious ecstasy in heaven would be infinitely even better. Wait, yeah, totally, right? I mean, <laughs> beatific vision is just perpetual, just in love, madly in love, and being consumed by the other who is God. So, yeah, I mean, that's just incredible stuff. But also, I mean, you know, how could St. Joseph do it, right? That was the second part to your thing, because... Yeah, thank you for entertaining that. Yeah, and I remember a friend of mine, I'm actually co-authoring a book with him right now on the Eucharist. His name is Patrick O'Hearn. He's a great guy. He said something to me one time that I thought, now that is an insight. He called, and I don't think anybody else has called St. Joseph this, a martyr of chastity. And what he meant by that is, here's the man who lived with the most beautiful woman ever, both interiorly and externally. I mean, she just is ravishingly beautiful. Her femininity is just the best of the best. And yet he was called to marry her, which meant he was attracted to her. People who don't, aren't attracted to each other don't get married, right? Um, it's, you've got to have that, that aspect of it. And yet he's called for the something greater to make that sacrifice. And so on a daily basis, his passions have to be in, in union with his reason and his intentions. And for us men, we know that that can be hard. That, that can be difficult for us because we're very visual. We're very sensual. And again, this is what makes the human race continue. It's because of that that babies come into existence, um, men tend to be more desirous of the marital act than women. It's just how it is. And so St. Joseph, on a daily basis, because of his prayer life, because of his mortification, 
because of his intense union with God on mystical levels that we can't even understand, he would have not been struggling with that on a daily basis thinking, oh, this is horrible. I, you know, I got to give this up because of this other mission that God's like, this sucks. No, he wouldn't have been saying that. Why? Because he would have known the greatness of what he was called to. And because his prayer life was so intense, it was a gift. It was something beautiful. It's when you don't pray and that you're not submitting your passions disordered as they are, which St. Joseph's, because he wasn't an immaculate conception, he would have had to constantly been disciplining himself, mortifying himself and all those kind of things that he was working smooth so well. It's us when we don't do those things, when we allow ourselves to be entertained by things that then put images, sounds, sights, desires in our minds that everything, we pornify everything, as you so well said. Um, That's why we've got to conform. We got to be more like St. Joseph. Um, And that's why, and here's something huge too, because some men will say, well, I can't identify with him because I have a wife. and, And I do consummate our marriage with, with my wife, you know, frequently. And I'm like, okay, great. That's a gift from God. But you're saying that you can't identify with St. Joseph. Oh no. You too are called to chastity, brother. Maybe not virginity, but you're called to be chaste. Chastity does not mean virginity, right? Again, these are theological distinctions. All of us are called to have a chaste heart, whether you're married or like myself, celibate, whatever, which means that you're in control of your passions and you're not taking what is not yours. But in marriage, if you're married to a woman and you are, you know, having marital relations with your wife, praise God, it's a gift from heaven. You still have to treat your wife with dignity. Doesn't mean you're a wild animal and you can do anything and everything you want. Yeah. Digits on your body. No, there are certain things that go certain places and certain places they don't go. You're not a filthy animal. You have to be dignified, respectful, honor her as a temple. Um, and so you can still find that model in St. Joseph. So though he didn't have the marital act with his wife, I guarantee you that his heart was so bursting with love for her that he served her. He treated her with so much dignity, respect, gave her flowers, made things for her, surprised her with gifts, honored her, showcased her to the neighbors, guaranteed it because that's what a good man, a good husband does. And that's what all men are called to do, no matter what your vocation is. Amen. Uh, amen, brother. I, it reminds me of uh, uh, a question I asked uh, Christopher once about, I think I asked him the, pretty much the same question that I asked you, Christopher West, that is Dr. West. He was on the uh, the episode a couple of weeks ago, this, the podcast. And um, and one of the things um, we didn't talk about on the on the episode, but in his book, Good News About Sex and Marriage, about you know why we're in the Holy Family, why Jesus, uh, Joseph and Mary not engage in in the marital act, and if the, if sexual intercourse is meant to be a sign of or in some way a participation in the eternal life giving love bomb explosion of the Holy Trinity on Earth, right? Mary, Mary on Earth was already living the the. She was living like the heavenly communion on earth in some way, sense, or form. All right. I I hope I'm quoting Wes correctly that she was bringing Joseph like 
closer to that 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 union, that heavenly union, in some way on Earth. So for them to, you know, to uh, what do you call it? Consummate the marriage would have been. They didn't. They didn't really need to live that sign. They didn't need to. Right. It would have been like almost a step back in some way. Um, right. Right. Yep. No, that's well put. Yeah. That's again. I mean, we should, and somebody needs to. Um, really unpack this for people because people do get confused about it. Um, but the way you just described it is great, right? Because sexuality and the marital act is a gift from God. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. And yet there's something, there is something greater and yeah. that's that heavenly union that our lady was already living and St. Joseph wrapped up in that as well to then, you know, have marital relations would have been like, going back to a shadow when you were actually in the light. (laughs) Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, go for the light brother, you know, and ultimately that's what we're all called to. And so um, that's why Jesus again, and St. Paul say in the new Testament, I, I wish I knew it off the top of my head, but you can look it up, do a simple search you'll find it. They both say some are called to this and it's a gift. So there you go. So I, my understanding of our Catholic theology, the, the, the marital theology, right, is that the, the marital act, the, the, the coming together of intercourse between man and woman consummates the marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Makes it completely whole. And until that consummation happens, then there, it's, it's not a, I mean, they're married, but they're, it's not the, what we call it is the, uh, the marriage is indissoluble. It's impossible to be broken. Right. Mm -hmm. So the only thing that I don't, I still don't get, Mm -hmm. uh, is that if they did not, which they didn't, and they didn't need to, then how was it, you know, how is their marriage, um, not indissoluble, if that makes sense? Yeah. Well, the way I think that it's to be understood is so, so we're talking about sacramental marriage, right? So what do we call the sacrament? And this is a thing that people oftentimes today are not aware of is it's called the sacrament of matrimony. Matrimony comes from mater, which means motherhood. It means the sacrament of bearing fruit. So there's a union there in the body that continues, you know, the human race. Uh, and again, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. So for Mary and for Joseph, I mean, they were not in what today we would call a sacrament, right? Because the sacraments only came into existence with our Lord's public ministry and, you know, giving this gift to the church. So they kind of predate the sacrament, so to speak, right? Like we have today. And St. Augustine talks about this. And yet their marriage was a true marriage um, because the deeper reality of marriage is a union of hearts. So for example, we talk about this in the spiritual life and Jesus himself talks about it. What does he say that heaven is? A wedding. So who's getting married? God and our souls. Is it a sexual union? No. Therefore, is it invalid? That Are we truly espoused to God? Yes. Why? Because we're in union with his person. It's a union of persons. It's a union of hearts. And that's what will endure for all eternity. And again, Mary and Joseph were already living that while here on earth. They were living a heavenly life while here already on earth because their hearts, you know, we often talk about the union of the two hearts, meaning Jesus and Mary, and that's very much true. 
But oftentimes we forget about Joseph, especially the union of the hearts in that marriage of Mary and Joseph. So the fecundity, the fruitfulness of their union is the rebirth of the human race, you know? And so they were given something so much more that again, the physical aspect of it was kind of just a sign, a symbol of the greater union of personhood, a communion of persons. Um, that's so deep, man. And again, somebody needs to write a doctoral dissertation on this and put out some books because it's you can you can just unpack it, unpack it, unpack it. Yeah, Father, that that's the the best answer that I've ever uh, heard to that. Uh, and thank you for taking that on because that, that was a, a really a, a beautiful answer, one that I think makes sense. And um, I can't believe that I have to do this, but I, you know, I'm interviewing one of my my priest uh, heroes here, my, one of my big inspirations, and my own father is here. Which and I have to start to get going. <laughs> I have to start to get going because, like Saint Joseph, he's uh, he's doing some work. He's going to be uh, fixing um, our heat here, or whatever. Anyway, whatever. It's a long story, but. Uh, <laughs> So um, is there anything before we go, anything at all that you want to say about St. Joseph or is there anything that we can um, plug for you? I mean, you don't need my measly podcast. Obviously, you know, you have so many people that already follow you, but, um, and, and I'll put anything uh, about uh, Father Callaway. I'll put his website. I'll put links to um, where you could get his books, uh, how you could find his story. I'll put all of that in the show notes. I'm talking to the audience now. Um, and uh, Father Callaway, I truly hope that one day we can have you back on here. Uh, it, it would, uh, and I, I hope that you know we'll, we'll talk offline and hopefully we could get together sometime because I just want to pick your brain. It's uh, fascinating. But I can't tell you how much it means that you've been on here. Uh, again, this isn't just uh, like a theological discussion to me. Uh, some of the talks that you have given, your own uh, conversion story of your life, uh, different books. I also have an amazing, uh, didn't you pile together like Mary and the Theology of the Body? Isn't that one yeah. of your books? Yeah, right? that's good stuff, yeah. Absolutely like unbelievable. And then of course, this consecration of St. Joseph. Um, I cannot recommend this enough, everybody. This consecration to St. Joseph is life changing. And it's not just for men, obviously, right? But it's not. So please look into it. Please get a copy. Um, and, uh, and our church needs this more than ever right now. Father Calway, anything else at all? Yeah, no, just thanks, man. I appreciate this very much. And um, yeah, the I really do encourage people to do the consecration to St. Joseph. You do it by yourself, do it as a couple, do it as a family. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's definitely, I think so needed for these times and then look out, be on the lookout next year. Um, probably in the summer of 2023, I'm going to be putting out a comic book. They call it a graphic novel. Now it's a uh, hardbound, but on St. Joseph, um, I never dreamed that I would be doing something like this and I'm not the artist. Thank God. We'd never sell a single copy. You know, I'm horrible, but I'm doing all the words for, for it. And it's going to present St. Joseph in, in a way, I think, that's visual now. So the book, Consecration of St. Joseph, is great, but you read it, right? This is going to be one where you're actually seeing things presented by a guy whose art is off the charts. And the theology, it's going to be subtle, but it's going to be there. So it's not just going to be like for children. No, 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 not at all. Probably actually more for adults. Um, I, it's going to be mind-blowing. Like, 
I, as we're working on this right now, as we're, we're doing this podcast, you know, like after this, I got to get back to that project. It blows me away. Every day I look at this and I'm like, this is next level. Like this is off the charts. The world is going to eat this thing up. Um, it's that epic. It's going to be that amazing. And then lastly, um, you know, sometimes people are like, um, Father, where can we see you or whatever? On the website, it has those things. But then also I do pilgrimages. So now that, you know, the COVID restrictions are over and things, you know, I'm traveling again internationally. And so I lead pilgrimages to, you know, Italy or to Mexico or to like, I'm going to Spain next year. I usually do about two pilgrimages a year. You can find those on that website, fathercalloway.com. They're epic. We we have such a good time on those pilgrimages. And my mom goes on a lot of them. She doesn't go on all of them, but she goes on a lot of them. And um, dude, I yeah. want to go, man. Yeah, we I should. I was going to say, if you need a chaplain, let me know. And then I'm like, yeah, but he's a priest. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. He's like, well, it's, hey, we'll double dip. We'll have two, two, two priests. Um, no, they're, they're great. So you, people can find out about those two. And pilgrimages are awesome. I absolutely, pilgrimages are amazing. Because you go to these places where Our Lady was, where the shrines are, where saints have been, miracles have happened, and just renews your faith. Yeah, uh, thanks, man. And uh, yeah, prayers uh, for you and all that you're doing. I'm going to ask every single one of you to listen. Boo, please pray for Father Calloway. Please pray for his uh, ministry. He's an extremely courageous priest uh, in a time right now when many of us are uh, frightened to speak up and to proclaim the truth uh, with love. Uh, and uh, he's one of the guys that I'm like, man, this, I am so encouraged. So uh, please pray for him. Pray for his ministry. Pray for his priesthood. Check out his conversion story. And Father, if you ever get to have a movie being made in any which way, shape, or form about, say, Joseph, your life, I, I don't care if I'm an extra. I want to be in it. I, I, I'm, I'm totally going to sell my, try to sell myself right now. Now, uh, in any, I used to be an actor, and uh, I still do some stand-up comedy. Hey, if you ever need a stand-up comedy before one of your things, let me know. So, yes, this is me being pathetic. But, um, and I also want to. Uh, it must be amazing that your book, "The Consecration of Saint Joseph," was um, endorsed yeah. by Jesus Himself. Jesus, uh, Jim. No, no, I'm just kidding. G yeah. Jim, Jim Caviezel, who played Jesus in the Passion of Christ. Right. Uh, so, if you know him, Father, uh, yeah. you're uh, in great hands. So, prayers for everything that you're doing. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being on. Uh, a Holy Mess podcast uh, with His Holy Mess. I hope you had fun and I hope we can have you on here someday soon. Thanks, brother. God bless you. Keep up the good work, man. Yeah, God bless you too. All right, Holy Messes, thank you very much. God bless you. Episode 11, Father Donald Calloway, St. Joseph. Uh, share it, rate, review. Uh, thank you so much. Have a very, very Merry Christmas. God bless you. Be a blessing. Be a blessing. We're going to end it messy. Bye. Yeah.